Constructive Voices, the podcast for the construction people with news, views and expert interviews. Hi and welcome to Constructive Voices. I'm Steve Randall and I'm joined as always by Pete the Builder, Peter Finn. So Pete, back with another episode of Constructive Voices and another one of our Focus on Females episodes today. Another female, but a completely different story as with the whole series. It's been been fascinating getting the different perspectives. Yeah, it's been really, really good, Steve. Um, Emma has done a super job and the interviewees that we've had have been excellent. So this is another really, really good interview with Helen Ramsey. The enthusiasm that, that, that Helen has comes across within the first couple of seconds of the interview. She is a lady who has uh, really committed herself to her craft. She's a member of of a huge amount of boards and she she has been involved in many different aspects of her craft and is certainly someone who really does champion the idea of of learning from many people and the advantages that come with working in a group environment and then how you how you can help other people and then how other people can help you um in in that uh, group environment so a super interview and again Helen is, is a, a female in construction who has worked internationally. She studied abroad. Um, so, you know, I always find these stories fascinating and the braveness that people show, the bravery that females within our industry have shown by just, you know, moving to different parts of the world and the experiences that they've gained from doing that and then taking them with them throughout their career. But she didn't stay in construction then. She's still obviously working in engineering, but she's moved into the medical industry as well, which I think is fascinating. And it's a, it's a real example of how when people say they work in construction, immediately people always think of, you know, cold building sites and, you know, hardship and labor and all that type of stuff. And that's not the case. You know, you know, you really are not limiting yourself when you get into the construction industry. In fact, you're actually just opening up a huge network um, for yourself. Okay, well, let's hand over to Emma Nicholson and Helen, and we'll hear the chat, and then we'll come back and talk. I am a principal sustainability project manager and chartered environmentalist. I work for a UK national multidisciplinary consultancy, and I've worked in the built environment for over 23 years. I'm an associate fellow of the Women's Engineering Society and previous board trustee of also the Women's Engineering Society. And currently I'm the EDI specialist interest group member uh, for the Women's Engineering Society. So uh, I also founded in 2011, Women in Sustainable Construction and Property LinkedIn Group. My name's Helen Ramsey. My degree is in chemical engineering. I started out at British Steel as an environmental engineer. Then I worked in water consultancy. And then I've been in medical devices for 21 years. I'm currently a non-executive director at a logistics company. I'm working a portfolio career, so lots of different parallel voluntary roles. I'm a trustee. I'm also a mentor. Um, I'm a fellow of the Institute of Chemical engineers and the women's engineering society and i'm really excited about today thanks very much helen it's really great to meet you i understand you've worked in environmental engineering was there anyone in particular that inspired that career route and if you could tell us a bit more about your project experience and your early career development yes absolutely so there i don't think there was a one specific person who inspired me 
but when I was very young I joined the Worldwide Fund for Nature and I've been a passionate supporter of them ever since. Uh, I really connected with the work they were doing um, for the different species and the endangered species and so when I took my engineering degree I was keen to work more with the environment and an opportunity came up when I graduated to work at British Steel. My role there was to put in um, ISO 14001 which is an international environmental management standard and that was across three tube mills at British Steel, Corby, Hartlepool and Stockton and Broadwell Works near Birmingham. That was a very interesting experience especially fresh out of college it was very much a male environment and very much traditional but it was exciting to work in the space uh, of for environmental work there because it was new and people were understanding more about it um, and and trying to engage so there was a lot of sort of cultural change involved in focusing on on more clear targets for emissions effluent etc to make sure that the the plants were as efficient as they possibly could be in an environmental context. Yes and and indeed the need for um, more environmental engineers is really important for our our industry to help projects and uh, I guess um, you know buildings as well in terms of achieving net zero. Absolutely Um, it's one of the biggest challenges of our age um, is climate change um, and we do need more environmental engineers. I remember when I uh, did my role in the water consultancy I was doing modelling of drainage systems for housing development Developers. And it was all about modelling for the one in a hundred year flood, etc. And of course, these events are happening more and more frequently now. And we need to be able to change the way we kind of work and live to be able to manage and also to reduce our impact on the environment. So I absolutely think it's key. Yes. Yes, indeed. And, and, and also I noted, um, I've had a look at your LinkedIn uh, profile, Helen. And I'd just like to know a bit more about your team building skills with engineers. Uh, You mentioned delivering international engineering capital projects. Would you be able to expand on that a little bit? Yes, absolutely. Um, So I loved the people side of engineering ever since I started. So working in teams and then progressing to managing teams was very enjoyable and and great fun. I I believe engineers are great problem solvers. They're very genuine people and they're fun to work with. Um, So when I was working in medical devices, we were having to bring together engineers from many different disciplines, mechanical, electrical, software. Um, So it was critical to be able to help find ways to get them to work together, collaborate together, problem solve together and innovate together so that we could deliver new products to market um, in significant numbers so that um, people can uh, kind of manage their condition using them. Yeah, it was really exciting working with these different engineers and and bringing those capital investment projects to fruition. And you've also achieved board level um, status. Uh, I think you mentioned you're a trustee or have been a trustee. So I just wondered how you acquired those skills and if you could um, tell us a bit more about that experience. Yes, absolutely. Yes. I'm currently a non-executive director on a board and I'm also a trustee, as you say. I'm a trustee for an engineering charity um, to um, award, uh, make awards for relief of poverty using engineering means. So I think in both of those cases, having the breadth of knowledge of working with multidiscipline engineers, of managing a large team in a technical environment, looking at technical challenges in different ways, understanding how to motivate people, how to you know create consistent and sustainable change 
so that we adapt to the environment that we're in. All of those skills have meant that um, I've been able to move into a, a board level role and you know do advisory work on that basis as well. It's very rewarding, um, but it is quite uh, tough and, and quite a lot of responsibility. So you have to juggle a few balls in terms of um, organising a diary and that kind of thing with regards to your, your trustee work. So in terms of a, a sort of typical month, how many days would you be doing sort of trustee work? Oh gosh, that's a that's a tricky one. So I think um, I think maybe sort of three days a month I do the trustee work. I do a lot more with my non-exec work because I'm doing a lot more consultancy and advisory work for them at the moment. Um, and then I balance it with these other voluntary roles. I, I mentor a chief executive for a charity, and I I do some IT work for a refugee charity. And it's just trying to fit it all in is is tricky. And sometimes it's more, and sometimes it's a little bit less, depending. And uh, also, I, I picked up that you have done some mentoring. Have you actually been a mentee yourself? I'm passionate about mentoring. I think it's a fantastic thing. So yes, I did have mentoring. Um, and it started, I think, uh, kind of when I was about maybe mid-career. And I had a very inspirational mentor who helped me. Um, and I went up and asked them to be my mentor. So I'm very much an advocate for people to feel confident about being able to do that. Because they were able to give me advice and ideas is that you know someone at my level I just didn't see but they could see that and they could see how I could adapt and kind of build on the skills I had to be able to take advantage of opportunities it was so helpful and they then became an advocate for me in different contexts too and then uh, in answer to the second part yes absolutely I'm a mentor I mentor about 10 people at the moment mostly women in STEM but not all Um, I also mentor young male engineers um, and also I mentioned I'm currently been mentoring a chief executive at a local charity and it's so fascinating how much they teach me in return but it's all about just offering a sounding board and helping people kind of work through things in their own way and and be listened to. I agree uh, Helen I think mentoring can be incredibly rewarding I think you can get a lot out of it by seeing your mentees development as well just in terms of your earlier career and, and going way back to when you started out studying where did you actually study Um, And what STEM skills did you learn to get to where you are now? I studied at Cambridge University. I did my master's in chemical engineering there. The course that I did at the time was two years of general engineering and then two years of chemical engineering, which stood me in very good stead for the career that I then ended up doing. So I switched industry effectively three times within my early career. So from steel to water to medical devices. And it was those technical and problem solving skills that I learnt on my course that I was able to bring into each of those different roles even though the industries were very different a lot of the skills that I used were very similar and I was able to build on those and you know learn and and get experience in how to make those more effective. Thank you and also with regards to the earlier part of your career what was the most interesting uh, engineering project that you completed? Oh, okay. So my early career, I think the most interesting project was when I was um, designing and building a weir uh, uh, over near Peterborough. Um, And again, it was to manage uh, drainage so that there was no flooding from a new development. And it was complicated because I had to do kind of to prevent reverse flow. So I had these flaps on this this weir. And then eventually, um, a few years later, I went back and saw it in its actual kind of completed state, which 
<laughs> which gave great pleasure. It was an actual physical thing that I'd managed to do, and that was very early on. And it was, yeah, it was, it, and it always has remained something that's been a, a wonderful part of engineering is to be able to actually physically see the thing that you make, and it makes such a difference. Mm. Absolutely. I think that's really incredible to see an engineering project that you've participated in and and to, you know, kind of see that it's had benefit with regards to your involvement in that. It must be really rewarding to see that as evidence. Yes. Just a further question in terms of going back, as I mentioned, to uh, your earlier career, for, for any young engineers starting out, are there particular skills um, that someone might need uh, as an engineer uh, that they will need to nurture? Yes, yes. I think for me, the top two are teamwork and and problem solving um, in equal measure, I think. It was very much when you're studying in your degree, sometimes it can be kind of a, a lot of technical work that you're working through. But that whole piece around working together and doing design projects together and doing kind of safety studies together, etc., that really helps when you go into the world of work because you can't do engineering just on your own. You have to work with others. You have to be able to collaborate. And also, I think you have to be resilient um, for many different reasons because things change and you don't always get what you intend when you start on a project. It's important to be able to adapt and, and to not take things personally and understand that you kind of, things will happen, mistakes will happen. You'll make mistakes. I certainly did. And then you can come through that and learn from it and then move on together as a team and, and build something better next time time and, and, and beyond. Do you prefer working alone, Helen, or um, do you prefer working with a team in terms of developing and you know a solution in engineering I think there's a place for both I think I love working with people but I do need time to think and I I can often find if I'm surrounded by people all the time I I just need time to kind of step back and just work through things just to understand cause and effect go back to root cause try to give yourself the time to not be too focused on the symptoms that you're being told about at that time but just to try and work back to understand why something's happened but I love the interaction with other engineers particularly different backgrounds different ideas different perspectives it makes the whole process of problem solving more fun and also much more innovative the ideas people have that you can build on together are just fascinating I think through working as a team Innovation in engineering is very important and I just wondered if you'd actually worked on innovative initiative perhaps either alone or jointly with members of your team. Yes, absolutely. I think there's lots of different ways that, that, that we've done innovation. Um, and working 21 years in med- medical devices, it, it, you know, there, I was lucky there was opportunities to do that, whether it was right near the beginning where I learned the Lean Six Sigma approach or right towards the end where I was managing a department. And I think it's that one that I'd like to talk about a little bit more because it was through my role of being a manager of a, of a large team that was expanding where we were taking on new people. I was in a position where I was able to influence the culture of that group. And through my work, I'm a, a lead governor with South Central Ambulance Service. And through my work with them, I found a way that that was very different from the traditional engineering route where um, people were very um, carefully listened to, very much uh, gently kind of included in conversations and where people struggled to articulate their point. There was a lot of patience in listening to people and in a way that I just hadn't necessarily come across in a fast paced kind of, you know, very outcome focused kind of engineering team. Whereas I was able to take that approach to my 
department and help to shape the way we recruited. So we recruited people who were very different, different backgrounds, different ethnicities, different gender, you know, all, all different aspects of diversity were part of the idea around creating a culture that people could be feel uh, supported in and and feel included in and so the way we did recruitment changed we uh, we learnt by reaching out to organizations such as stem returners who were excellent at training both myself but also my line managers in how to be more inclusive in their recruitment process and then also once people joined us there was much more focus on helping people to feel that their points were valued and even if they were new and they didn't have the vocabulary yet maybe to kind of convince people that people were still interested and that they wanted to hear new ideas and that it was a fresh take on it and it was really up to them to translate that into our vocabulary not to the individual coming in so it it felt a, a real step change and it was it was wonderful to see people see that people stayed it was great that's brilliant uh, in terms of the biggest engineering challenge that you have possibly faced in your career what has that been uh, again there's lots to choose from I, I worked abroad for a while as an engineer and that was quite challenging um, I, I you know I, I took on my first role in a very male-dominated environment at British Steel that was challenging but I think the one that sticks in mind is when I was working um, with a supplier who was based abroad and I was flying out there for the first time I hadn't uh, kind of met them before very much. Uh, they'd come to the UK uh, to have an initial conversation. But I was going out there because there were problems and my team were facing difficulties in being able to be heard and have their kind of insights into the design listened to. So it was quite a challenging environment to walk into, but I knew I had to find a way to talk to their senior engineering staff at the supplier to find a new way of working so that everybody could work together. And it was there where I discovered that it were, you know, there was a bit of imposter syndrome in there because I was wondering, oh gosh, why would they listen to me? What do I know? I don't know these people. But I had a good team with me. Um, and, you know, this whole uh, kind of point around male allyship is really key. I think there was another engineering manager there who was very supportive of me. And also, it was really that the problems that the supplier were facing were very similar to problems that we face in our own kind of context where it was just around collaboration and it wasn't happening naturally but it, bizarrely the mechanical team weren't talking to the electrical team so they were physically making something uh, that was coded such that it would crash so that was just uh, unhelpful so by talking together with their senior engineering management team I was helping them to understand we had to do more of the discussions cross department effectively with all the different stakeholders in on a regular basis to make sure none of this kind of got off uh, on, onto the wrong foot that we were able to you know map out and plan these things and then test them together regularly and so that we could work together on the solutions that made a big difference and fortunately it meant that the team could work uh, more cohesively both uh, you know between the different functions of engineering but also between our team as the customer or client and the supplier team so that it became much more of a collaboration and people felt able to challenge and discuss but also to kind of constructively you know find ideas that that fix stuff so so yeah I I think that was my biggest challenge. So you have um 
international experience, Helen. Whereabouts abroad did you work? Gosh, well, I've worked abroad in different places. So from the United States to Canada, to Germany, to Italy. Um, yeah, all over different places. It, I think engineering is brilliant for that. Goodness, that's brilliant. So where was your first um, position abroad? In the States, yes. We have a sister site. Uh, we, we did at my last company, we had a sister site based on the west, based in the West Coast uh, of America. So I spent three months on an assignment out there. Okay. And you, you, do you have children? Yes, I have twins. Oh, <laughs> twins. My goodness. And how have you found it being a woman working in the field of engineering and the work-life balance? Has it been, you know, challenging sort of managing a career and family? Or uh, I gather you've done it successfully, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, that's very kind. Um, so, yes, I think it is challenging. I think I was, you know, in many ways fortunate because when I had my twins, it was just before um, a follow-up project uh, in the States. And my then manager knew I had experience of working on that site, on that product, but several years previously. And uh, even though I had young twins at the time, he didn't hesitate in asking if I wanted to take a lead on that project. And I think really that role was quite transformational for my future career. So I felt quite lucky that I was able to you know have those opportunities even with young children I think the flexibility that is available now that maybe wasn't available in my mum's generation when she was doing medicine is so important because it, it gives you that ability to try to be able to to kind of manage both and in a in a way that that feels right for you um, and I think hopefully that one of the positives out of the pandemic is that hopefully it means that there are more flexible opportunities for engineers engineers going forward that it doesn't have to all be done on site that you can manage working from home and working on site and it can be more kind of able to do things remotely rather than having to travel all the time with young children so yeah I think it's a tricky balance but yes I, I, I was lucky that it, it worked well for me. And also just wondered what your thoughts uh, are on attracting more young women into engineering. I think this is absolutely critical because we can't solve the problems that we face as a society without including half the population. I think it's so uh, imperative that we can reach young girls to help them see what a good career engineering is. I really do believe that there's more we can do to help both publicise engineering as a whole, but also how fun it is, you know, the, the fact that you do get to go and travel internationally, the fact you do make stuff that people genuinely need in their lives, and that you can do something that is quite innovative and fun and collaborative, you work together. It's not a dirty and old and traditional type environment. It's very much more sort of fast paced and fun. And I think the more we can get into schools and help spread that message, and the more as a society we understand that it is is crucial I think you know there needs to be more on tv about engineering making it sound fun but also as a female in engineering I do a lot of work in schools to try to help make it more visible so that people can see people like me and understand that actually it's it's perfectly possible for them to I, I agree. I think that's really important, Helen. Um, and you are um, also a fellow member of the Women's Engineering Society EDI uh, Specialist Interest Group. I just wondered what changes you'd like to see in the industry in the next five to ten years. 
I think it's important that there's there's focus on on making it attractive to women to come in, but also to keep women in engineering uh, in a way that is beneficial for both them and for companies. So I think more kind of involvement and discussion in the flexibility um, ideas in flexible working, but also in mentoring, in networking, in kind of podcasts like these, in role models of kind of women who've succeeded in their different engineering disciplines, preferably people who look like them, you know, not just people, you know, women of a particular type, but all different women in different spheres of, of engineering helping that and I think the Women's Engineering Society is good at helping all of those things you know it identifies barriers it's working on the PPE initiative at the moment you know it provides a network for women engineers to get to know each other I didn't discover the Women's Engineering Society till quite late in my career and I encourage a lot of the kind of graduates that I speak to to get involved from the beginning because it just gives you that kind of external um, person or people to talk to about some of the things that you face that maybe you don't know quite how to handle. Um, so yeah, I, I think there's lots we can do in the next five to 10 years. I agree. And, and also there's um, mentoring as well provided by the Women's Engineering Society, which is really important. Helen, I read about your profile as well about partnership with the Association of Black and Minority Engineers. And, and I just would like to know how this develops. And um, if there's been any sort of outcomes of this partnership, it is Black History Month. So I just wondered what your views were on this. Yes. So when I was in my engineering management role, um, I was worried um, that the pool of applicants that were coming forward for our apprenticeship programme were not ethnically diverse. And I felt this was a failing on our part of not being able to attract um, uh, a diverse pool of applicants to what was a really exciting set of kind of roles and, and opportunities to, to work. So I reached out because I'd reached out to STEM returners who'd helped me very much with the gender balance. I reached out to the Association of Black and Minority Ethnic Engineers to see whether there was something we could do together to, to help uh, change that. Um, and that's where um, as, a, as a company, we became a partner with um, the AFBE. And it meant that we were able to access a lot of the initiatives that they have in place to um, reach out to different pools of people who may be interested, who may maybe not haven't considered engineering before and that might be tempted by an apprenticeship route. And then also if they needed support in, you know, more understanding about what that entails and, and how they could go about it, that the support was in place to do that. Um, so we put that partnership in place, um, but then unfortunately my career moved on and I moved on to a new role. So I haven't been able to kind of track the outcomes and see just how how much difference that made but it was very exciting and and I am hopeful that you know that that provided an opportunity to try and make a step change in in the in the diversity of the applicants we had. Brilliant thanks very much for that you've had such a diverse and interesting career and international experience as well I just wondered if you had any thoughts over the next few years that you might be happy to share with our audience on, on what your next steps might be. Um, as a non-executive director now, um, I'm hoping to build my portfolio in that area and move hopefully into um, becoming a non-exec of, a, uh, of an engineering company of some sort. I'm also very keen on working in the femtech space. I am a board advisor for a femtech startup in Canada and I'd love to get more involved in that area. It's, it's 
it's quite new um, and it's exciting. It's researching conditions that, you know, affect women's health that maybe haven't had that research focus or investment in the past. And suddenly now there's a lot more companies getting involved in this space. It's exciting and it's it's bridging a gap that we really need to do in today's society. So I'm hoping those two sort of aspects will be my kind of future next steps. And if um, someone wanted to find out a bit more about that, is there a, a particular site that they could sort of research and have a look uh, into? Well, that's a good question. I think mo- uh, many of the universities are involved in um, entrepreneurship for um, women's tech. There's a, a femtech group that are um, particularly active in London. I think there's also one in Manchester. I don't have the details of the of the website in London to hand, but I'm sure if they if they search for for that for, for the UK certainly, there are different initiatives there that are very much kind of in perhaps in the infancy but are are growing in momentum finally it's been such a pleasure to um, interview you and um, I just wondered if you had any final thoughts Helen on in in terms of inspiring engineers or younger people starting out in a career in engineering that's a lovely question so I think Really, it, it's uh, very much about this is a career for the future. I think that, yes, there's AI and yes, it's going to change roles. But engineers, who I do believe, will be at the forefront of that. And the, the, you know, the challenges that we face as a society, whether it's, you know, access to fresh water, whether it's, you know, managing with a, you know, an increasingly different climate, you know, whether it's healthcare challenges with pandemics, etc. All of these aspects need engineers. And so, I'd, you know, I'd, I'd really recommend it as, as something to consider for young people. There's so much opportunities with universities and colleges and local companies to kind of get insights into understanding more about engineering. And I just think, it's a fantastic career and I'd I'd recommend it to anyone. I think as a non-executive director, I think there is a significant responsibility on kind of boards and company kind of senior leaders to understand more about biodiversity and, and how their operations impact that. So I, I would like to see there being more, perhaps yeah, maybe more engineers on these boards to be able to talk about this and and, and build on a kind of you know the technical solutions to help companies be more gentle with the environment to help companies be more aware of their impact on the environment what they can do about it and how they can still continue to operate and do you know do the work that that they need to do to supply products to people to supply services you know in the world I work with to, to manage transport in a sustainable way but also to promote the biodiversity of any of the areas that they impact in a way that is meaningful and not just a tick box but to help really transform the legislation principles into the practicalities of what it means to an individual business i think that's what i'd like to see this is constructive voices so as you said at the beginning pete a really fascinating interview and so many bits that we could pick out of that because just another interesting career, another interesting perspective. I think the, the bit that I wanted to pick up on, and this was something you mentioned in the introduction to the interview, is how Helen has gone from an engineering role in construction into the medical world. And I, I imagine we're going to see more and more now those sort of transferable skills, both in and out of the construction industry, as the roles of being in construction change. You know, a lot of those things that that were traditional construction-only roles and now things that will sit across lots of industries. And that's good for construction because it means that people will want to come into construction who have skills, but also 
for those already working in those roles, it means that if they fancy doing something else for a while, they can go and do it in another industry. Yeah, without the shadow of a doubt. And like Helen talks about, you know, how she was involved in in working with a weir. So, you know, managing large volumes of water to now she's working with medical aspects that, you know, are probably on a much sort of smaller scale in terms of size, but obviously are absolutely as as important or probably more even more important but the principles are still the same it's it's great i i, I love hearing stories of this i really do I, I love the fact that people can um adapt and can change and can transition um while keeping the same principles keeping the same ethics keeping the same you know using the knowledge that they've had over over the years and experiences that they've had to adapt to another completely different industry or completely different life situation so re- really really good stuff and um, again, great insight into into what it's like to be a female coming into a, a male dominated industry and, and you know, the, the challenges that are there and, and how they had to work around certain situations to, to get the end result. It's, it's it's really, really good stuff. So, yeah, again, great, great interview. And, and you know, the, I think it's fair to say I did say beforehand the enthusiasm that Helen has, like she, she really, really is interested in what she does. And she certainly is a wealth of knowledge in, in so many different um, aspects of, of engineering. And to still have that uh, fire in her belly and that, and, and, and that energy is, is, is great to see. And uh, I, I love that energy and I love that positivity that she, that she has, you know. Yeah, and I think the other sort of big thing that I, that I wanted to pick up on was mentorship and how important that is. And Helen's story there, she started out as a mentee, so she benefited from other people's help and advice and support, and she's paying that back by mentoring other people. And I think that whole 360 thing in mentorship is brilliant. Yeah, without the shadow of a doubt, Anna. Look, you, you will learn so much, and I, I've done this throughout my life as well. I was an apprentice starting off as well. And then, you know, I, I, I learned and I earned my trade. I, I went and then I upskilled by going back to college and then I set up my own business. And so I have been a, an apprentice. I've been an employee and now I'm an employer and I have my own business. So it's it's all of those aspects of of your career. And you do, like, I, I know what it's like to be an employee. So I, I have, you know, I can understand what it's like to be, that person that I'm, you know, employing now. And again, Helen has done the exact same thing there. She she explains how, you know, she was a, a, a mentee and then she used those experiences to become a mentor and how that helped her be a good mentor. And then also how being a mentor actually continues to improve um, her to this day. And I would totally agree with that as well because when you explain to somebody how to do something you actually are rethinking it yourself and you're really kind of retraining yourself as well as training the person so i i really do believe uh in in that style of education and i really do feel that if you can have a mentor in your life it can help you you know really understand what it's like when you hear you know real life stories and real life situations and examples being being you know how they played out and how did you know how someone maybe got over a challenge that that was in front of them because sometimes when a challenge hits you and you don't have the answer you kind of can say to yourself well how would my mentor have got a got a, around this uh challenge or what would they have done so you know great stuff there and it, i love seeing people give back as well to the industry and give back to to um, the next generation of people coming through and um, i can remember 
way back in the day, some some people in the construction industry used to, you know, not do that. They would they would prefer to withhold the information, to, you know, for their own advantage. Um, but I think that day and age is long gone now. And I think the reality is that people understand that, you know, teamwork is is so important in any construction project. Like if you don't have the right team working together with the same objective, you're, you're at a loss straight away. And that can happen in, in some construction projects. We, I think we've all been involved. We've all heard of projects where there was conflicts going on between contractors and architects or design team. And, you know, it, it really doesn't help when that's the situation. So teamwork is a huge thing. But I like the way also that Helen said that, um, she likes to be able to to work within the team, but then also get her own space to be able to work through things in her own head. Again, very honest, and, and uh, I appreciate that honesty as well because, you know, you, you do need your own space to be able to come up with some solutions, um, but then come back into the team group then again and, and tie it all together. So, yeah, great stuff. Really honest interview. Again, such such a different interview to what we've had um, in the previous guests on as well really really good stuff I, I actually really love the series and looking forward to hearing some more really really positive stories and, and interesting stories of females in construction it's been it's been excellent yeah too right and i'm sure we've got lots more things to talk about and well i mean it's one of those things where it, it sounds cliched perhaps but you know you can't miss constructive voices not even one episode because you never know what we're going to be talking about what you're going to learn it's always an interesting conversation Every day is learning day and every episode of Constructive Voices, you're getting knowledge, knowledge, knowledge. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> nice one. Talk to you next time, Pete. Cheers, Steve. Chat soon. And that's all for this episode of Constructive Voices. Please take a moment to share it with others who may find it interesting. Follow or subscribe to get the latest episodes automatically on your favourite podcast app and rate and review the podcast if you can. You can also listen to the latest episode by saying, Alexa, play Constructive Voices podcast. Here's Constructive Voices. Here's the latest episode. And on our website where there's lots more information too. That's constructive-voices.com. Don't forget the dash. Until next time, thanks for listening. You're really helping us build something. Mm-hmm.